Yes, that's right. I'm so sorry. There isn't a guest speaker. I was fooling you. So uh, there are many, many things that we don't have access to right now. We don't have access to our favorite coffee shop. We don't have access to the hairdressers. Uh, which is a particular concern of mine. We don't have access to Nando's. We don't have access to many, many things, but we do have access to God, our Father in heaven. And we do have access to the truth of his word. And so I just want to encourage you right at the start of this year, like this whole thing about um, not being able to gather together and all of that is tough. But uh, I want to encourage you to lean in. Like not just, uh, I, I mean, of course, lean in with your, physical bodies, wherever you are right now, in your in lovely warm bed or uh, on the sofa or wh- wherever you are, lean in physically, but, but more lean in with your heart. Like lean in, D- just, just say to God, God, I really want to hear from you. I want, I want to receive something from you today. And so we're going to be reading this morning from Hebrews chapter 5. If you've got a Bible with you, I would encourage you to produce it and to follow along with me as we read. But Hebrews chapter 5, if you don't have a Bible, maybe you're new to church, um, you've never been to church. Some people uh, join us online, never experienced church before, and you are so welcome. Then the thing to do is to download one from the Google Play Store or the uh, Apple, what, what do they call it? The Apple App Store? App Store? Okay, yeah, I'm not an Apple user myself, so I can't uh, comment. So anyway, one of the things that I uh, loved as a kid was going walking with my grandma. My grandma was a a fanatical gardener, um, but also she knew so much about plants. And so you could go on a walk in the woodlands or across some fields, and she would see plants that nobody else saw, and she'd be able to tell you all about them. And it was was like entering into another world that nobody else was aware of. I loved it. Anyway, we... uh, uh, one night when I was a kid, there was this horrific storm that uh, you know, kept us awake all night. The rain was battering at the windows and um, the night sky was being lit up with lightning. It was crazy. It was so noisy. And then the very next day, I just remember it being so eerily quiet and still. And me, and I suppose my brother must have been there, although I'm sorry, Paul, I don't remember you being there. Uh, we, we went walking with, with Grandma and, and, and we were walking through these woods and it was such a shocking sight. There was foliage and branches everywhere. And yet... Uh, like it was such a strange thing. There were some trees that, that had stood for hundreds of years that were now lying on their side and other trees that were still there just completely as if nothing had happened. And I remember saying to my grandmother, like, what's the deal with that? Why do some trees just, you know, get felled in the storm and others carry on standing up and as if nothing had happened? And she said this, any tree can withstand any storm as long as they have deep roots. Even a fool would be forced to admit that right now we are in a storm. And so the question is, how deep are your roots? We, um, we're beginning a brand new series today. Uh, and 
it's strange in a way, or it's not strange, because we believe that the Lord leads us in these things, but, but we, going back several months, we really felt like in, in 2021, what we should do is to take a whole bunch of time to examine uh, what does it look like for Christians to mature? Like, what does Christian maturity look like? And so we decided we were going to do this series called Growing Up, looking at uh, everything that the Bible says about true Christian maturity. And then here we are in another lockdown with all of the pressures. And lo and behold, we're looking at putting down deep roots. Isn't God good? And so this is going to be session number one of Growing Up, Hebrews chapter 5. And uh, so far... The writer to the Hebrews, we don't know who that is. It could be a man or a woman. Uh, he or she has been just telling us how spectacular Jesus is. And then we're going to land into Hebrews chapter 5, verse 11. He or she says this. We have much to say about this, about how spectacular Jesus is. But it is hard to make it clear to you because you no longer try to understand in fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Therefore, let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and be taken forward to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death and of faith in God, instruction about cleansing rites, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. And so, God permitting, we will do so. And then for the sake of time, we're just going to skip down to verse 9. Even though we speak like this, dear friends, we are convinced of better things in your case, the things that have to do with salvation. God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you've shown him as you've helped his people and continue to help them. We want each of you to show this same diligence to the very end so that what you hope for may be fully realized. We do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. And that's God's word to us today. Okay, so I don't have much time. I've got five points. Here you go. Point number one, the pressure is real. The pressure's real. The uh, letter to the Hebrews is written to people who are experiencing intense pressure. And in fact, um, that is the context of this passage. There is intense pressure. And in particular, the pressure in this situation is persecution. In the middle of chapter 10, he goes on to talk about how they're enduring a great conflict full of suffering. Uh, and it turns out that many people have been beaten, their homes have been ransacked, some of them have had their homes confiscated, and some people have been imprisoned for their faith. And that's the context of what we're reading today. The enemy was desperate to try to minimize the impact of the church and to silence her voice and to put out her fire. Now, we're not being persecuted. I hate it when people say that we're being persecuted in the West because we're really not. There are brothers and sisters all over the world who are being persecuted for their faith, and that's not what we experience. 
But the enemy is still the enemy and his desires are still his desires. And his desire is to seek to diminish the church and to extinguish our faith. And throughout the book of Hebrews, what we see is the writer is, is so desperate that uh, the people he's writing to would stand firm till the end. Uh, and he's warning them, like, guys, you have to be so careful. And in fact, what he does is he highlights four different ways that the enemy is hoping to, for, for us to abandon our faith. The first one is he hopes that under the pressure, we'll just drift away. That's chapter 2, verse 1. Not that I'll intentionally kind of renounce my faith. He's just hoping that over the course of time, I'll just meander and wander away until when I look back, I can't really remember where God is. Or, you know, I'm just kind of lost in the middle of nowhere. He's hoping that I'll drift away. Or, if that doesn't happen, secondly, he's hoping that I'll turn away. That's in chapter 3, verse 12. Almost like with the pressure of, of life and, and the concerns and cares of the world, that ultimately I'll just give up. I'll say, do you know what? It's not worth the bother. So he's hoping that I'll drift away, or he's hoping that I'll turn away. Or thirdly, he's hoping that I'll harden my heart. That the um, disappointments of life and faith will form scars around my heart. And so where, whereas previously, you know, my heart was soft and the Lord could lead me by quietly whispering into my heart and leading me gently by his spirit. Over the course of time, those scars form around my heart and, uh, and I can't really, um, I, I, now I'm stubborn and I'm hard. Uh, and uh, so in my own arrogance and my pride, I just follow my own way. And if I don't drift away or turn away or harden my heart, the, 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 the fourth concern is that I'll fall short. I'll just fall short. Chapter 4, verse 1. Let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short. That would be the saddest thing of all, wouldn't it be? To just make it nearly all the way home and then to just fall at the last hurdle. The pressure is real. The enemy is at work. Now that all sounds pretty grim, doesn't it? But actually the invitation that God is making to each one of us this week and this year, to the whole of Catalyst Vineyard and to anyone else who's watching us uh, online, the invitation is of 2021 is to refuse to give in and to refuse to back down and instead uh, to, to choose to uh, step deeper into God, to choose to step deeper towards him. Um, and and here, here's the, the antidote, the inoculation, the vaccination against the plans and uh, desires of the enemy. Chapter 6, verse 1. Let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and be taken further towards maturity. The weapon is maturity. That's my second point. The weapon is maturity. So here's the vision that God is laying out for us in 2021. To choose to not only to, to make a stand, but also to step further into our identity in Christ. To receive more of our inheritance in Christ. To strengthen our hope. To build up our faith. To put our roots down deeper into the promises and the provision of God. 
There are so many things, aren't there, right now that are just out of our control. We don't get to decide when we get the vaccine. We don't get to de decide when the lockdown will end. We don't, we don't get to decide what will happen with the economy. We don't even get to decide when we'll next see our friends or family. But we can decide this. I'm going to grow up before I grow old. I'm not going to be like an infant, to use Paul's language from Ephesians chapter 4, where he talks about an infant being tossed backwards and forwards by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching. We can decide, I'm going to grow up in God. The weapon is maturity. Thirdly, the responsibility is mine. I was uh, telling our staff team recently that before I had my own kids, I'd never held a baby before. And, and so uh, it was actually a, 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 you know, a rude awakening to parenthood to suddenly have a baby. And, and like, I could no, no sooner put on a nappy than fly someone to the moon. And, and like Taryn could just open up the buggy and, and like just, she just kind of, went like that and up the buggy came and then I just used to spend hours just like trying to like clutch it apart trying to pull it apart I just, could, I just couldn't do it but even I knew you know, like I was keen to be fair it wasn't that I didn't want to I was keen but even I knew that uh, a, a human baby or really any other kind of baby needs regular feeding you can't feed a baby once a week and expect it to grow big and healthy and strong you can't just go from milk to like rump steak and chips. You've got to kind of build up to it over time. And, and that's the point that the writer, who we, like I said, we don't know who it is, but that's the point the writer is making. Chapter 5, verse 12, he or she says, you ought to be teachers, but you need someone to teach you. And then they say, verse 14, solid food is for the mature who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Over the years, lots of you, lots of people in our church have sent emails and, and lots of them have been hugely encouraging. Some, some of the emails have been less than encouraging and, and, and sometimes they say things like this. They quote this kind of passage and they say, do you know the sermons, they're just not deep enough. You know, we want, we want meat and, and, and we want solid food and all we're getting is milk and, and, and their complaint is that we're, we're not doing enough to kind of drag people towards maturity. But I think that's to completely misunderstand the context of this passage. You know, like what we're doing here today in this freezing cold but gloriously rent-free uh, undisclosed location <laughs> warehouse is, is, is a bit like when grandma brings over her special cheesecake for Sunday lunch. It's, it, or, or, you know, mum produces the crumble that she, that she likes to make on a Sunday. It's like, it's lovely and, and, and it tastes great, but, but, but it's not going to make you big, big and strong. You know, what, what does it say? Maturity, it says, comes to those who have what? Trained themselves. By how? Constant use. They've trained themselves by constant use. His point is that what we're doing now is great, but actually, if you want to grow big and strong in God, what you need to do is every day, Dig into the truth of his word. Every day, lean in. Every day, um, uh, uh, seek God for the things that you need. Every day, be filled with the spirit. Every day, meditating on the truth of his word. That would be training ourselves to 
to distinguish between good and evil by constant use. The responsibility, the decision to grow into a, a mature disciple of Christ is mine. No one can make it for me. The responsibility is mine. Point number four, but the work is ours. It, you know, I've made it sound a little bit like, um, you, you know, we're all going to have to go into training and the training is a bit like training for a marathon in the Arctic Circle by ourselves. But that is, that is completely the opposite of the whole thrust of the book of Hebrews. Actually, the writer of the Hebrews to the Hebrews is passionate. His vision is for the church as a family, the church as a body, the church as a people together to help one another to grow into, into uh, fullness and into maturity in God. And, and so for example, chapter 10 verse 24, he says this, let us consider how we can spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Or chapter 12, verse 15, see to it together that none of, no one falls short of the grace of God. Or chapter 13, verse 1, keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. And throughout the whole letter to the Hebrews, uh, it, it's just filled with plurals. Us, we, one another, together. So let's look again at Oh, let's think again about his instruction there, or his exhortation in chapter 5, verse 12. He says, you ought to be teachers. Why? Why should we be teachers? Well, ultimately because his vision is that we would be a family where the people who've been part of the family for a while kind of uh, introduce the new members of the family into the, the ways of the family. Like, we're all supposed to be teaching one another, training one another, helping one another to grow. Look what he says in, in chapter 6, verse 10 that we read there. God isn't unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you've shown him as you have helped his people and continue to help them. He, he's saying, you're doing so well because you're training one another. You're loving and serving one another. And to be honest, that's my story. That's why I'm sat here today, because people did that for me. You know, I'm thinking about Terry Miller and his wife, Christine. I don't know whether you're watching this, Terry. We've not been in contact for some years. But Terry and his wife uh, opened the Bible with me every week before I, before I knew Jesus. And then they introduced me to Jesus and then they discipled me with the scriptures. And then Colin and Joe White, my youth leaders when I was growing up, you know, had newly come to faith. Again, taking everything that they knew and had experienced about God and his faithfulness and how to live with him and for him and then investing all of that into my life. And then Justin and Alison Thomas, again, just so patient, so kind, but investing their life into me. That's how this works. I think this is a word for all of us in our church. You ought to be teachers. You ought to be teachers. Who are you teaching? Wouldn't it be amazing? I wonder what that looks like for all of us to embrace a call to discipling and teaching somebody else. The pressure is real. The weapon is maturity. The responsibility is mine. The work is ours. And lastly, the power is his. The power is his. Our dear friend Mike Pilavachi tells a story about 
a young girl and her dad who were, uh, wanted to light a fire to uh, warm the house. And so they went out into the garden and she picked up a load of little twigs and her dad picked up some bigger logs and, and branches that, that she wouldn't have been able to carry. And so uh, they, they go to the fireplace, she puts the twigs down in the grate and then he then uh, arranges them into something that might actually, you know, be possible to light, light a fire with. And then he puts his bigger logs that she could never have carried and he puts them around uh, over the top. And then he says, go on, you light the fire. And so she takes the match and she, she uh, strikes the match and she puts it underneath the twigs and there's only really a little bit of smoke. And then he says to her, blow, blow, uh, you know, kind of uh, blow, blow into the embers and, and get the, this fire lit. And so she begins to blow, but she can only really blow like raspberries, like <laughs> But suddenly these twigs begin to smolder and then they begin to crackle and then they uh, come in, uh, into flame. And then finally this fire is roaring. And what, what she's not aware of is that even as she's blowing these little raspberries, her dad is behind her and he is emptying his lungs and filling this fireplace with his breath. And, and, and all she needed to do was do her little thing and then he would come. You know, the, the, the truth is that we set the twigs, but the Lord lights the fire. Look what it says in chapter 6, verse 1. Let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and be taken forward into maturity. In other words, we do what we can do and then God in his power, by the, you know, with all of the wonders of his Holy Spirit, he comes and he meets us in that place of desire and he increases uh, and brings us, takes us into maturity. This isn't an invitation to pull ourselves up, up by our bootstraps. This isn't like, come on, let's all just try harder, work harder this year. This is the opposite of that. This is, let's come to God in humility and beg him, plead him to draw us into a deeper relationship with him. In a moment, we are going to make an opportunity for anyone who is watching this who doesn't know God to come to know God. And I just want to give you a moment to think about that. You know, maybe you, you, you've been watching us for some time online, or maybe this is your first time, but you're thinking, do you know, in 2021, with lockdown and all the uncertainty and all of that, I just want one certain thing in my life. I want to know God. We would love to introduce you to God. And so in a moment, we'll do that. So I'll just give you some time to think about it. But let's all pray together. Jesus, we want to grow up before we grow old. We want to find out who we are afresh in you. We want to receive more of our inheritance. We want to put down deep roots we want to make a stand. Please would you help us by your spirit, God. Please would you help us. Maybe where you're watching this at home right now, you feel like you might be kind of drifting away. The Lord is 
just drawing us back towards himself. And it's about kind of yielding, yielding to him. Just where you are right now, why do you say that to God? God, I yield to you. I, I want to be drawn back towards you. And so like I said, we're going to make an opportunity for you if you would like to commit your life to following Jesus and walking with him for the rest of your life and into eternity. And the way that we do that uh, with, with Catalyst Live is that a button comes up. If you're watching this at livestream.catalyst.vin, a button comes up on the screen that says, I commit my life to Jesus. And we would encourage you to click that button right now. Uh, and if you're not um, watching on that, you're watching on YouTube or Facebook, maybe just put your name or I commit my life to Jesus into the chat on one of those platforms too. But we're going to pray together. I'm going to lead you in a prayer one line at a time. And all you need to do is to, to echo that prayer in your own heart. Let's pray, shall we? My Father in heaven, I'm so sorry I haven't lived my life with you or for you. I really want that to change. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for me. Thank you, Jesus, for washing away my sin. I choose to turn away from my old life and towards you. I receive your forgiveness. And Father, please fill me with your Holy Spirit and help me to live my life with you and for you from now on. Amen.